0: we are podcasting from inside the archive room welcome to another episode of the year 12 English podcast my name is Suzanne Hack and I'm a year 12 English teacher at St Leonard's College in Brighton Welcome to 2016. I hope everyone had a fantastic break and that you're ready for what is going to be a very exciting and a very busy year 12 English course this year. We're hoping with this podcast that we will be able to produce regular segments. The idea of the podcast is that it will supplement the work that you are doing in class with your teacher. And while we had a little bit of an interrupted schedule in 2015, we're hoping to get On track, so to speak, with a regular schedule in 2016. So in this podcast, we'll basically be covering uh, material uh, relevant to the text that's being studied in class, starting with All About Eve, moving on to Life of Galileo, then Every Man in This Village is a Liar, and finally Stasi Land. There will also be some episodes that deal with language analysis, and as we get closer to the end of the year, revision strategies and also exam techniques. The purpose of this podcast is really, as I said, to supplement what you're doing in class. If at any time you have questions uh, after having listened to an episode of the podcast, the best course of action is to consult with your English teacher and to uh, clarify uh, your understanding and also any material that was presented here. So what we're going to start off with today is looking at all about EVE. Um, I'm going to be talking through um, probably about the first 20 minutes of the film and one of the things that would be really useful uh, as I go through section by section is for you to pause the podcast at the relevant time and actually go back and and view that section of the film so that it's fresh in your mind and then some of the commentary that I'm offering uh, alongside the, the scenes in the film will make more sense the podcast uh, or the material that's covered in the podcast will also um, dovetail with the questions that have been assigned for each scene of the film as well so um, it's worthwhile having your all about eve booklet handy um, and those questions ready to consider one of the things that um, many years of year 12 english teaching has taught us is that the more you write uh, the better off you'll be and the better prepared you'll be for the exam. So I really do encourage you to um, write answers to those questions for each scene, even if it's not something that your teacher has necessarily set for homework. Just getting into that habit of reflecting on your answers, being able to articulate the answer, putting that in coherent sentences, making sure that you're using sophisticated vocabulary, all of that will um, come to the fore and will certainly um, assist you when it comes to writing essays and in preparation for assessment tasks and exams. So let's uh, launch into All About Eve. Uh, The chapters that I'm referencing are um, delineated by the iTunes chapters, so I will give you the times that each chapter or scene begins uh, and ends. So you can reference that uh, on your own version of the film. So um, grab your handouts, grab your uh, copy of the film so you can watch that and let's get started. Okay, let's start by looking at um, chapter two of the film, which begins at one minute and five seconds and ends at seven minutes and 22 seconds this uh, scene or the film in fact opens in the dining room of the Sarah Siddons Society and we have the voiceover of the character that we come to know as Addison DeWitt. Addison describes himself as being essential to the theatre and this is reinforced with the omnipresent narration that he provides at the beginning of the film. The theatre is Addison's native habitat and as such, he venerates the theatre, making the clear distinction between it and other forms of artistic expression. I think what Addison is suggesting here is that there is a hierarchy with the theatre uh, obviously, in his view, more superior and valuable than the motion picture industry, which is, a gr- which is growing in popularity in post-World War II America. Even within the theatre, Addison alludes to a hierarchy, suggesting that the minor awards have already been given. This not only reinforces the award that Eve receives, but provides viewers with an understanding of the roles that others play in the world of the theatre. So the film begins in the dining room of the Saracen Society and it's important to take note of this setting. Consider the heavy drapes, the wood panelling, the classic artwork and the aged audience. Joseph Mankiewicz, as both writer and director, emphasises this with the gaggle of older male waiters who are standing together and eventually adoringly applauding Eve. The dining room is also windowless, which also emphasizes the exclusivity of the award and the realm of theater folk. Addison introduces us to each of the characters in turn. One thing that would be useful for you to do is to consider each of these characters and the expression on their faces and the adjectives that you might use to describe each of these characters in turn. Of course, for a first-time viewer of the film, we don't quite know what they're thinking. But for you, having watched the film, I'm hoping numerous times, you will certainly be able to understand what is behind some of those expressions. Interestingly, Addison tells viewers that Margot's first role in the theatre was as a fairy in A Midsummer Night's Dream, one of Shakespeare's comedies. And Eve is being given an award named after the woman who played one of Shakespeare's greatest tragic characters. The chairman of the Sarah Siddons Society quotes Macbeth when he talks about himself being a poor player who struts and frets his hour upon the stage. This quote is part of Macbeth's soliloquy towards the end of the play when he has just been told that Lady Macbeth has committed suicide. He reflects on the purpose of life and suggests with this quote that the whole world is a stage and all each of us does is play a part and then we are forgotten. Macbeth is one of Shakespeare's better known tragedies that looks at the rise of Macbeth to be King of Scotland. Macbeth was a loyal and devoted servant of King Duncan and a mighty warrior in Duncan's army. When Duncan's sons are named as successors to Duncan, as they should be, Macbeth becomes bitter, wanting the glory for himself. While Macbeth is ambitious, he lacks the courage to act to secure his ambition. And this is where his wife, Lady Macbeth, comes in. She is ruthless and prepared to do anything to secure her husband's success. Sarah Siddons, after whom the award is named, was an 18th century actress and known as the greatest tragedienne of that century and most renowned for her portrayal of Lady Macbeth. While at the time of the filming of All About Eve, the Sarah Siddons Award was purely fictitious, it actually became a real award and has been given annually since 1952. The irony of Eve receiving the Sarah Siddons Award is that it is an award for achievement, but Siddons most famous role was as Lady Macbeth, which is a nod to the ruthlessness and ambition of Eve herself. In presenting the award to Eve, the chairman of the Sarah Siddons Society talks about it being passed from his hands to hers, to her young hands. We see Eve's hands at that point, pure and unadorned, and placed in a demure pose. Of course, we later learn that there is nothing pure or demure about Eve. As Eve stands to receive the award, we see her wearing a white dress, again emphasizing her purity. The chairman described Eve as having humility, devotion, loyalty and love. By the end of the film, we know that this is far from true. It's important at this point to also consider the character's name, Eve. The Eve of the Bible was the first woman of creation, fashioned from a rib of Adam. She was also the first one to succumb to the temptation of the serpent and eat the apple which results in both Adam and Eve being banished from the Garden of Eden. As Eve Eve receives the award and the camera freezes look at the mounted guns on the wall and where they are pointing. This is an element of foreshadowing that Mankiewicz has included to suggest that Eve's downfall is close at hand. take a look now at chapter three of the film from seven minutes and 22 seconds to nine minutes and 44 seconds. At the end of chapter two, Karen begins her narration of the story, telling audiences that it is now June, but that the story began in October. This is part of Mankvitz's presentation of a circular narrative, where we have started at the end in June, but are going back in time to October to see what led up to this point. Consider also the seasons that have elapsed in this time. In the Northern Hemisphere, where the film is set, we have gone from autumn to winter to spring and summer. This ties in with Karen's comment that Lloyd always used to say that in the theater, a lifetime is a season and a season a lifetime. Let's consider what this means. There are two meanings for season, the seasons of the year, summer, winter, etc., as well as the season of a show, which is the duration of its performance. Lloyd is telling Karen that the season of a play can feel like a lifetime, as all the hopes, dreams and disappointment of life can all fall within the few weeks of a play's life. He is also saying that the lifetime of an actor can also be only a season of a play much in the same way that the chairman of the Sarah Siddons Society is saying that he is just a poor player who struts and frets his hour upon the stage. Let's also consider the way Karen begins telling the story of Eve. She's almost nostalgic as she remembers how it all began back in October. As Karen emerges from the taxi, we see the sign for the play above the backstage entrance. The play is aged in wood, perhaps a reference to Margot being aged in the theatre. Eve emerges from the shadows of the doorway, an analogy to her emergence from the unknown into the limelight of the theater. She is dressed in a dowdy raincoat and hat and looks plain, simple, and importantly, unthreatening. The staircase which rises above Eve is symbolic of the fame and stardom that she will soon find. Karen describes herself as the lowest form of celebrity. Eve is equally self-deprecating, But we realize that there is a sincerity in Karen that doesn't exist in Eve. Ominously, Karen announces there isn't another one like you, there couldn't be, and we soon come to realize how true that statement is. So let's have a look now at chapter four of the film which begins at nine minutes and 44 seconds and finishes at 15 minutes and six seconds. As Eve enters backstage, she's drawn to the curtains and the stage. She describes it as some magic perfume. The implication here is that it is intoxicating and perhaps almost mind altering. And we know that it drives Eve to extraordinary behavior. Margot is backstage after the performance without her costume and makeup. Despite her nakedness, she remains confident, assured, as if the dressing room was her native habitat. Margot encourages Lloyd to write a more daring play for her, and Karen defends Lloyd's plays. Lloyd describes Karen as his loyal little woman, again making that distinction between the role of men and the role of women and defining the place of women in the 1950s. Karen tells Margot that she is talented, famous, and wealthy with nothing to complain about. But we soon come to realize that this is still not enough for Margot and that she is struggling with her age and also the fact that she's not married. She needs the reassurance of the fans and the audience, and it is this weakness that Eve exploits with her flattery and adoration. As Karen encourages Eve to tell them her story, Birdie re emerges from the bathroom. Make of its positions Karen, Lloyd, Birdie and Margot to face Eve, creating her first audience with all attention directed towards her. So let's uh, look now at chapter five, which is from 15 minutes and six seconds to 21 minutes and 43 seconds. Eve's first performance has all the elements to engage her audience, from poverty and isolation, insignificance, struggle, widowhood and loss. She perhaps taps into some of the insecurities of her audience at some level to make them more empathetic. Eve deliberately describes the theatre as being like a drop of rain in the desert, indicating the role it played in her supposed survival. Of course, viewers do not know that the story is in itself a performance. Eve is completely convincing in the role of a farmer's daughter from Wisconsin. Bill Sampson's arrival changes both the tone and pace of the scene. His hurried urgency contrasts with the slow pace of the theatre dressing room, providing our first contrast between the theatre and Hollywood. Lloyd is confident that Bill will succeed. Bill is not as confident, again pointing to the fact that Hollywood is an emerging field without the stability and longevity of the theatre. So let's look now at Chapter 6, which begins at 21 minutes and 43 seconds and finishes at 24 minutes and 55 seconds. So as Eve and Bill are left alone, this scene gives us one of the most important monologues in the film, and it's worthwhile going back to your copy of the screenplay and actually uh, going through and, and analysing and highlighting Bill's monologue. Eve questions Bill on his move to Hollywood because for Eve, uh the theatre is everything and the thought of relinquishing that for the motion picture industry doesn't make any sense. Bill's response broadens the view of what theatre is and this is where we can very clearly see that Mankiewicz is challenging the hallowed spot that stage theatre has traditionally held and suggesting that theatre is really anywhere that there is an audience and a performance. When Eve talks to Bill and says that you know not everyone comes back from Hollywood she's suggesting that Hollywood might be some kind of vortex that people get lost in it they get lost in the lights and the stardom and the celebrity of Hollywood in a different way than they get than the celebrity of the theater now it's worthwhile sort of considering whether that is actually genuine or whether that's sort of Eve's skewed view of stage theater as compared to Hollywood Margot reemerges, uh, having lost her earring um, and there's this discussion about the real diamond in a wig, which I think is another reference to the complex and complicated world of the theatre where what is real sometimes gets lost in what is imagined and the, the appearance or the costume. For all of her bluster and confidence, and we see Margot again very confident, very self-assured in this scene, she still reacts to Bill's observation that the seams of her stockings are not straight and straight away goes to fix that. So um, we can see that Margot is wanting Bill's approval, that she is um, seeking his uh, approval and also willing to, to respond to his request. So again, you know, that question around the role of women that um, Mankiewicz sort of further explores and I guess um, also the complexity of Margot's um, character and personality emerges in this scene as well. So we've covered about the first half hour of the film um, and we'll draw the podcast through uh, through to a close at this point, a little bit uh, shorter an episode perhaps than um, we might be aiming for. I do want to um, just make a few comments about the handouts that you would have received and in particular the handout with uh, the movie poster of All About Eve on the cover. There's some really valuable information at the start of that handout, starting on page 10 um, and going through to page um, Have a look, page uh, 22. So it gives you um, a plot overview of the film, but I'm assuming that you're not going to need that because um, I'm sure you will have seen the film numerous times. Um, It also goes through and talks about the origin of the story. So, and again, you might not necessarily need to reference this in an essay, but it is interesting that the, the story of All About Eve actually began with a short story by Mary Orr, Called the Wisdom of Eve, and that short story is actually included uh, in the um, in the booklet for you. So Mankiewicz then took that short story uh, and um, wrote the screenplay for um, All About Eve. So it's worthwhile, I think, for interest' sake more than than anything else, just to sort of see where um, the the story came from. You also have uh, some comments on page 20 about uh, the casting and the decisions that Mankiewicz made when he was casting the film so that's worth reading and also on page um, 12 and uh, sorry on page 21 and 22 a critical reaction to All About Eve. So in terms of cinematography and, and sort of film um, sort of the, the area of the film, um, all about Eve was one of the most successful films, certainly of its era. Um, and it was nominated for 14 Academy awards and that was unmatched until, uh, the film Titanic was released in 1997. And interestingly, um, there were, um, four, uh, Sorry, it was the first film, the only film in Oscar history to receive four female acting nominations for Davis and Baxter as Best Actress and Holm and Ritter as Best Supporting Actress. So given um, what Mankiewicz was trying to say about the role of women, I think the the way that All About Eve sort of showcased women in the motion picture industry and really gave them uh, a platform to... Uh, a platform for recognition is also quite uh, important. So we'll draw the uh, podcast to a close now. Um, As before, if you have any questions about any of this material, please uh, have a chat with your English teacher and uh, look forward to having you back with us for the next episode. Thanks for listening.